Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. The sales part of the organization had the power. The customer service were treated as second-class citizens. At the end of the day, I think if you're trying to do these things and if you're trying to improve your experience, you're going to face politics. There's no doubt about it. It's a question of how do you deal with it to ultimately get what the customer wants. There's doing your job, but there's a separate skill of self-promotion, of making sure other people see. So Ryan, back in the day when I used to work in corporate life, I managed to get up to senior positions in corporate life. And people used to say to me, what is it you do? And I used to say, I play chess. Um, <laughs> and they said, well, what do you mean? And what it felt like was I spent my day on company politics, okay? And one of the things I've always been surprised at is there's not many training courses and not many people talk about company politics and how to deal with it. And therefore, I thought this would be a good subject of conversation. I know there's going to be no, in your organization, there's no politics whatsoever. So I know we're absolutely fine. I looked up a quote when we decided to address this topic. Um, there's something called Sayer's Law. Right. Sayer was a an academic, and he said, the politics of the university are so intense because the stakes are so low. <laughs> the stakes are so low. Yeah, excellent. I mean, sometimes that feels like that's the case in non-academic settings, too. Politics are everywhere. In every organization, they're going to exist. It feels, though, at times like Politics gets more intense as things kind of get less objective, get harder to measure, these areas within the organization where, you know, objectively the stakes are low relative to the important stuff that the company is doing. Yeah, I think you underestimate it, to be honest with you, mate. I think human nature is just that, you know, if I look back to the soccer teams that I used to play for, you know, there was politics in the soccer teams, you yeah, know? Yeah. There's politics everywhere, and, and it's about power, basically, you know, and it's about influence, and it's about, I think it's about all those human nature things. And obviously, company politics is just, you know, big politics, politic politics, if you want to know what you call it. But, you know, Democrat, Republican, and whatever. So let me talk a little about and give some sort of anecdotes of some of the things that I think that the listener may be interested in, may be useful for people that are dealing with company politics, which is probably everybody. So probably everybody. Let me give you the first bit of advice is the bit of advice my dad gave me. I hold this advice true to this very day, which is he said, Colin, just focus on doing a good job and then everyone will want you. Yeah. And I thought, 
that's a good bit of advice. And that's sort of held me held true. So as I've seen, and I've worked in a number of different organizations, but certainly, you know, organizations that are highly political and what you want ultimately is you want good people around you. So if you're doing a good job, then everybody should want you. I think that for me, you either have to understand the politics, okay, particularly if you want to get on. And when I say get on, I mean get promoted and move to senior levels. You have to understand the politics. And to a certain extent, I would even argue that you need to be good at it. And I would even argue that, unfortunately, this is the case, that the reality is, is if you can't deal with the politics, you're going to die, basically. Because there's a phrase I like, which is, you know, when somebody pats you on the back, they're looking for the place to stick the knife, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's dark. It is. It is. But that's the reality. And I got up to senior vice president and used to run 3,500 people. So, you know, politics was everywhere, basically. And therefore, you've got to understand it and you've got to be good at it. And for me, the key parts here is... I also would say as well, by the way, that, you know, don't get involved unless you know what you're doing and what you believe in. And there are, you know, as you go through this, there are going to be highs and lows. Some days you'll succeed and some days you won't, you'll take a defeat. But that comes into one of the key issues for me is sometimes you need to lose a battle to win the war. Mm. And therefore, don't take everything personally And don't take every battle that you go into. It's the classic phrase of know which battles to fight and know when you're in a strong position and when you're in a weak position and know when to push on things. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. I think a lot of this advice is easier said than done, but it is very good advice, right? Knowing where to concentrate your efforts and remembering what your ultimate goals are. I think a lot of times when people choose the wrong battles, it's because they're focused on the short term instead of on what they want in the long term. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I actually remember I was implementing a large customer experience program, and we were also going front office, back office, working within the call centers And basically, this meant that there was going to be reorganizational changes and and everything else. And there's a few phrases that always stick with me. And one of the phrases that I particularly like is, everybody's happy until you ask them to do something. (laughs) And this happens now with clients. You can go in and you can talk about what we're going to do to change the experience and and everybody nods their heads and everybody agrees and it's the right thing to do and blah, 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 blah. And then when you turn around and go, well, the implications of that agreement are that we need to change this or, you know, we need to downsize your organization and upsize your organization. That's when it starts getting really interesting. And I remember when I was running this large program, there were six sectors that we were running this across. And I was the central coordinator and running a team of people in the middle that were implementing this program. And we used to have a number of different meetings to improve the experience. We had to have all of the six sectors that were with us doing things. And a couple of things that happened that were really interesting. One was at the beginning, 
I found it really difficult to get people to turn up to the meetings. Mm. So everyone would nod and say, oh, yes, improving the customer experience, that's very important. But they would not then send anybody. We then got into decision-making on what we were going to do, and I started to make some decisions. And people started complaining that I was making these decisions. And I said, well, it's not me that's making these decisions. You know, We make these decisions at these monthly meetings that we have. And they suddenly realized that they weren't attending these monthly meetings. So I turned up at this meeting and there was literally like 30 people there. And then suddenly everybody was turning up at these meetings all the time. So what's the moral? The moral of the story is when you start doing stuff and not just talking about it from a theoretical perspective, it gets people engaged. And anyway, as this program went on, we got to the stage for implementation And we were like two weeks away from this implementing this uh, new process and this new experience. And we bought a new system and it was going to be a large change for these organizations. And one of the sectors wasn't ready. And I got a call from the general manager who said, I'm sorry, Colin, but, you know, we're going to need to put it back because we're not ready. So we ended up putting it back a month or six weeks or something like that. And you know the reason why he wasn't ready? Because he had literally had a bet with his management team that this would never get off the ground. Now, imagine, again, learning from a cultural perspective, what does that mean? So your boss is saying, no, don't worry, just ignore Colin. This is never going to happen. You know, don't worry about it. You know, we'll never get to the point. And then suddenly, finally getting to the point where it was all go and they realized that they'd made a mistake. But, you know, just think of the, sadly, think of the poor culture that that entails. It's crazy, isn't it? Wow. This is the most cynical I've ever heard you. (laughs) This is not cynical, mate. This is life. (laughs) No, I like like dark Colin. I think that that's... (laughs) an interesting new direction to take the podcast in and I'm all for it. I mean, when you think about politics, that term is not defined real well. Sure. I mean, maybe we can break it out. I think that there's two different distinct flavors of politics that people need to worry about. One is kind of top-down politics. So how do you interact with those above you in the org chart. And then there's also kind of peer level politics. And both of these things are very different and very fraught. I'm curious if you've got any advice on both of those and the best ways to kind of handle the power dynamics there. Yeah, no, good question. I think this goes back to the first thing, which is, so if you're dealing with senior people in your organization, understand them and understand what they're trying to to do okay and whether you think this is sad or whether this is just reality understand that it's not just about doing their job it's about how they're perceived in the organization and even not just in the organization but you know how they're perceived in the industry with some senior people yeah so If their job is to generate X amount of revenue or to, you know, help generate X amount of leads or whatever it may be, that's the outward stuff, okay? But also understand the person, 
and try to understand what motivates them and why they're doing what they're doing. Are they doing it just because they want power? And power can be determined in a number of ways, but not least of which is, you know, some people measure the size of their power by how many people they have in their organization or the responsibility levels that they have. So, Again, if I look back to organizations where I've worked before I started Beyond Philosophy, I spent all my life in corporate life. And, you know, most organizations that I work for, the sales part of the organization had the power. Why? Because they're the ones that are in charge of delivering the revenue, you know, Mm -hmm. which is really important to an organization. The customer service were treated as second-class citizens. So... Yes, you would sit, and I did all those jobs. I did sales, I did marketing, I did customer service. But you're seen differently if you're running the customer service organization to running a sales organization. I would even go so far as to say it's not a proper job or not perceived as being as an important job. Now, again, people won't necessarily articulate that. But, you know, I can tell you from my experience anyway that that's the case. So you've got to identify what somebody's trying to do you know are they into it because they want power are they into it because they genuinely are trying to do the best things for the customers Uh, you know what what is their goal what are they trying to do personally and then you've got to play to that so then you've got to start to go okay well so when when i was running customer experience in these organizations and and again this is what i would advise to our clients now is and let me tell you this story when I was at British Telecom, we were given all this money, given all this money. We had a budget, okay, like everybody else. But part of the budgeting process was that you then need to apply to spend it. So they would allocate the beginning of the year. They would say, Colin, you've got X million that you can spend. Okay, great. So I want to go and spend a million on whatever it is. And they would then say, that's fine, but you need to come to this committee to gain approval. Yeah. Get it approved. So I went along to the committee, presented on, this is what we needed to do to improve our experience. And this is therefore the benefits that we would gain and, you know, increase loyalty, blah, 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 blah. And they said, nah, not doing that. And I went, why not? You know, that's what I'm here for, you know? Yeah. Anyway, went back and I thought to myself, what is it they want? And what they wanted and what the company wanted at that point was to reduce costs, okay? So I then thought, okay, so how can this program and what I want to do, how can I show them that this will reduce costs? And I went back a couple of months after that and presented effectively the same case, different name and stuff like that, changed the pictures, etc. But effectively the same thing. But the way I positioned it was how many heads that it would save and how much costs it would save. And they went, yeah, that's a good idea, like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the politics become understanding what are the drivers and what are the motivators and the real drivers and real motivators. And then, therefore, how can you position what you're doing as a help towards that company? But going back to the Colin Shaw dark side, Also remember (laughs) that there are people who won't like you doing what you are doing just because you are being seen as successful and they don't want you to be successful. 
they want them to be successful. And now that's not everybody, let me hasten to add. But the reality is, unfortunately, there are a number of people out there and the more senior you get, the more that viewpoint prevails that I need to not support this person because that may be a great idea, but if it's a great idea and therefore that person's going to get one up on me and that's not good for me and my career and what I'm trying to achieve. Does that make sense? Well, the higher you get up in an organization, the more it can become a zero-sum game where there's only so many slots above or so many slots laterally. And if not everyone can get up there, I want to make sure that I get mine. And if that means tearing you down to get it, then so be it. Yeah. Hi, this is Colin Shaw. I'm really pleased to announce the launch of my seventh book, which I've called Happy Employees Make Happy Customers. The book is about the interconnection between happy employees and a great customer experience. I explain how you can go about building a great employee experience that drives a great customer experience. For my podcast listeners, I'm also pleased to provide you with a special offer of a third off the regular price. All you have to do is to go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash happy. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash happy. And in the promotional code, simply type happy podcast. That's happy podcast. I really hope you enjoy the read. The challenge is, and um, again, I used to talk to my team about this a lot when I was back in corporate life, was there are some really good people who never get promoted. And there are some absolute idiots that get promoted. Yep. And we used to say, people get promoted to their own level of incompetence. (laughs) And what we mean by that was that what happens is there are people who are very good at talking a good shop. And the analogy I used to draw was it's a bit like being on stage, that this person is out there telling all of the audience who are senior influential people telling the audience about all the wonderful things that they're doing and they're really good at doing that and therefore the audience are sitting there going oh that's really good oh yeah i like that yeah we'll better promote this person but when somebody says can i have a look at that then you know can you show me what you've done they open the curtains and there's nothing there right and that's when they get found out and they do eventually get found out in my experience there are other people who do an incredible job but work behind the curtain and never go out on the stage and tell people what they've done. And I always remember when I first started work, I used to work for Mars Confectionery, you know, the the confectionery people, Mm -hmm. which is why they were called Mars Confectionery. candy, (laughs) as we call it in the United States. Or candy, should I? Thank you very much. Yes, candy. I should speak American. Go and have your tea and crumpets. <laughs> yeah. And I always remember that one of the, my manager at the time, and I was in sales at the time, used to say to me, because I was going around to all of these different stores, etc. he used to say, on a weekly basis, what I'd like you to do, Colin, is send me a look what I've done. Yeah. Which was basically just a, a piece of paper that just said, 
here are all the good things that I've done, which effectively is like getting on the front of the stage. And it made me realize that you've not just got to do a good job. Yeah. If you want to get on, you know, and, and be promoted, you've also got to tell people what you've done. And the other bit I would then say is tell them what you've done, but also what the benefits are for you having done that. Now, that doesn't mean to say that you should just take all the plaudits and, you know, from your team and all the rest of it, that, you know, that absolutely is part of leadership and all those other wonderful things. But so many people, and I won't name names, but there's one guy that sticks in my brain as we say this, who used to talk a great shot, what a great presenter he was, what great thought processes that he had or he'd stolen from the rest of his team. And he got promoted up through the ranks. But he ended up coming a cropper because, you know, he just never delivered anything, basically. And ultimately, it goes back to my dad. Just do a good job and everybody wants you. Well, I think that the point you're raising here, which is a really good one, and I think your first boss at Mars did you a tremendous favor by encouraging you to write those look what I did memos. There's doing your job. But there's a separate skill of self-promotion, of making sure other people see. And those are independent, right? As we've said, there are people who are great at self-promotion and terrible at doing the job. That's not good. There are also people who are great at doing the job and who don't promote themselves enough that other people can recognize it. So, you know, you need to develop both if you want to be successful in an organization. You, You want to do the job well. We certainly want to encourage that. But it's also the case that, you know, people are not always going to be looking over your shoulder in such a way that they'll be able to recognize the good work that you've done. And so are you doing yourself that service of making sure that it can be noticed and acknowledged and recognized for the good work that it is? Yeah, no, absolutely. The last bit of advice I would give would be if you focus on the customer and you are trying to do the right thing for the customer – that tends to be independent yeah. and you tend to gain more respect and more kudos because you're doing the right thing for the customer. You're not just doing it because you want to gain a bigger team that somebody else is doing this or whatever it may be or whatever, you know, if you can turn around and go, look, the reason we're trying to do this is because we're trying to help the customer do this, 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 and this, and, you know, here's the evidence that customers want those things, then you gain a lot more credibility again. Because again, let's be clear, people see through what's happening, you know? They understand what's happening. They're not stupid. And they can see when somebody's trying to do some form of power play or trying to win some battle that, you know, it is just built around them rather than built around what's good for the organization or what's good for the customer. So for me... I used to play the politics because I was trying to do the right thing for the customer and felt that that's where I was trying to head. I also had to realize that because of that, I needed to be good at playing politics. Otherwise, the customer would end up suffering. And unfortunately, that can be the case as well. You know, decisions get taken because of company politics that affect the customer negatively.
So any advice from your perspective, Ryan, any thoughts from your perspective that you want to share before we let our good people go? Yeah, this topic may have seemed like a diversion from our, our normal, but viewed through the proper lens, I think it's not. I think it's very much in line. You know, you mentioned over and over again, knowing what those senior leaders in your organization want. Well, from that perspective, your bosses are your customer, right? Do you know what they want? Can you design the experience of working with you to be optimized for what they value? It comes back to this basic understanding of what people want and delivering to them what they want. When I work with my kids in school, I try to pound into them when they're doing their homework. What is it that your teacher wants from this assignment? Sure. It's a perspective that I didn't get until I was well into college that I can tell you a lot of the graduate students that I work with as a teacher don't take into perspective, right? The teacher is giving you an assignment because they want something out of you. Have you figured that out? Yeah. If you haven't, you're not going to do well on that assignment. Are we applying this to everything in our life? Right? What, what does our spouse want? What would make them happy? What do our kids want? What do our coworkers want? It's the same basic principles that we've been applying narrowly to customer experience that are just about understanding people and giving them what they want above you in an organization, laterally, customers, other people. Yeah, good bit of advice. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think if you're trying to do these things and if you're trying to improve your experience, you're going to face politics. There's no doubt about it. It's a question of how do you deal with it to ultimately get what the customer wants. So, good. I guess the last thing I would say is to, don't expect it to be fair. Just, you know, play within the rules Good point, of the well game made. as you can. Yes, and I think building on that, the last piece of advice I would give is keep the faith because you will lose battles. And some days yeah. you'll go in and think, oh, it's just not working and nobody's listening and everything else. But in fact, let me just finish off. You remember I told you about this guy that uh, was implementing this program and then he... That his managers, that it wouldn't pay off. Yeah, told his managers. Yeah, thanks. We went out um, as a team because he was like on the top team and he pulled me to one side and he said, Colin, he said, I admire your tenacity. (laughs) (laughs) I admire the fact that you're willing to put up with my BS. That that was a business speak way of what he said. But it really stuck with me because in this job where you're trying to create change, you need tenacity. It's not going to go well all the time. And you need to be consistent. You need to carry on. You need to keep the faith and you need tenacity. So with that, we will leave you and good luck. If this has been useful, then we would ask you just to share this with one one other person, share the podcast. It doesn't have to be this one, but share the podcast with somebody, tell somebody about it. That would really, really help uh, Ryan and I as we try and uh, grow the audience. Thanks very much, everybody. This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.